0: Are you ready to rock? Uh, yeah. I hope so, because we finally have a guest in the studio once again. (gasps) Miracles really do happen! This basketball playing, trail running high school band teacher is ready to show you what What is is up. up. Not just in life, but also in the weight room i'm sure there are other band teachers who lift weights just not as much as today's guest dan cooper here is your host bubba seaman
1: yeah we got a good one for you today so welcome back before we get started gotta take a minute and recognize our military vets me and the guests, we're recording this episode on Veterans Day, and it's, it's just the right thing to do to, to give them a minute, give them some honor, some respect. Uh, as a high schooler, I remember watching Saving Private Ryan, and as a young high school punk, I mean, that really changed the way I viewed the older generation, especially, and uh, just kind of taught me to to not be so short with older people driving on the road or, you know, taking too much time at a drive through or something like that. It really changed the way I looked at people because you never know. Somebody like that could have been in World War II and uh, people that serve, they really deserve uh, some extra, extra respect and, and honor because they're doing something I'm not willing to do. So uh, we give thanks to our vets today. I also got to give a shout-out to my wife, Sarah, even though this is going to embarrass her. Uh, It was our 22nd wedding anniversary yesterday, and on top of that, you know, being high school sweethearts, that means we've been together for a long time, if you do the math. We're only 41 and 42 years old, and she's actually the one who told me about Jesus and salvation, but it was not this Hollywood moment. Uh, she actually just told me that my ideas, what I thought about God and the Bible and Jesus, she said, no, you got it all wrong. That's not what it says. Uh, not everyone's going to heaven. You can't just be a good person. That's not enough. Uh, if you could do it on your own, there was no need for Jesus to come. Uh, so she told me that as a teenager, and, and that really had an impact on me. She, she shared that with me, and then later her grandpa Challenge me to to be a man of God, not just a guy who believes in Jesus. Like a lot of people, they just believe and and they consider themselves Christians. But it's it's tough when you read the Bible and James two nineteen. It says even the demons believe in Jesus. They know he's real, but they shudder, they tremble. Uh, it's more than just believing he exists. It's about putting your faith in him and his his death, burial, and resurrection. So, but looking back on all those years, uh, even now, the best times in our relationship and our marriage. It's when we were both seeking and growing as Christians. It's kind of like an illustration of a pyramid with God on top and, and both of us in a corner on the bottom. The closer we get to God, the deeper we get in our relationship with Him, the closer we get to each other. There's just the better things are. But it works both ways. Um, you know, the farther you get from God, the farther you get from each other. And, and we've gotten off track before, and we've wandered, and, and uh, the church, they like to use a term called backsliding. As Christians, and, and we've had a moment where we did that, and, and tough times came. It's, it's really clear to see when we look back on things. We had some low moments, and and we could have easily called it quits. I think most couples would have under the same circumstances, but um, thank God we didn't. A wise man once told us in some pre-marriage counseling, he said, you just go ahead and throw that D word out of your vocabulary right now. So Pastor Dan Worsman, I owe him a lot. Uh, he invested a lot in me as a young man. So check him out at Emmanuel Church in Cedar Rapids. Uh, he's a good dude. And then I got some good advice, or I didn't really get this, but but some friends of ours, Earl and Jane Canfield. They're actually a no-money sponsor of the podcast. You can check them out at Canfield Family Farm. Uh, they're on the Internet. They're on Facebook. They're everywhere. Uh, if you got any hay or, or organic feed needs, they're the ones to go to. They were told in some of their pre-marriage counseling, they said, Their pastor told them, you're getting married today because you love each other, but there's going to come a day or a time when you have to just love each other because you're married. And if that's not one of the truest statements, uh, I can really relate to that. There's days I know my wife looks at me and she just don't like me very much, but you, you learn to work through those things. There's something more important there. It's not just about your feelings. It's not always easy. Marriage is is tough, but it's the most rewarding. In my opinion, it's the most re- rewarding aspect of human life to be in a marriage that knows it takes three. And that's that little saying right there. That's one I picked up from my father-in-law, Stan Broden. It takes three. You can figure that out. If, if you know me and what I'm about, it takes three. So I wanted to put that out there on the Internet, on the podcast, for the entire world. Well, it's, I mean, really, about 13 listeners or whatever it is. That I love my wife, Sarah, I'm thankful for her, and I'm glad she's still my number one fan after all these years. Uh, that was another pre-marriage counseling tip that was directed just at her. Be, be your husband's number one fan. So she's gotten me some good merch for the for the podcast. Uh, she just got me a new mug today. So uh, she's a pretty special gal. So I also wanted to update you guys on The Blind, the movie The Blind. You guys know I haven't stopped talking about it. Uh, It is no longer in theaters, I don't think. It ran way longer than they expected. Uh, Taylor Swift's movie did not knock it completely out of theaters like everyone said it would. Uh, I believe it's available right now for digital download, and it'll be available for DVD and Blu-ray next week, which would be, what, the second, third week of November. So you can purchase it then just in time for Christmas. You can purchase it. If there's someone that you know should have seen it but wouldn't go to a theater to see it, now you can just give it to him for Christmas. Last week I saw that it surpassed $15 million for being a small, low-budget, non-Hollywood film, it is having a major impact on people. People are getting baptized, they're showing it on campuses. To me, it's just one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen. You know, apart from Passion of the Christ, this I can relate to this movie. I can relate to Phil choosing to do something totally different than he'd ever done and say, God, I'm going to try it your way, and uh, look how it worked out for him. I, I'm nowhere near on his level. I don't have millions of dollars or millions of fans or anything like that, but you take all that away, and, and we got the same thing. We got a love for Jesus and and family and and hopefully a good family legacy. So go check that out, too. All right, let's get into today's show, which is sure to be a good one. Finally, we have a guest In studio again, I call it my studio, it's just my basement. And I had to go all the way to Denver to find this guy. So before I get all the booze and and all the rivalry talk, we're just going to put that aside. Yes, Wopsy, Denver, I get that. But guys, this is real life. Uh, That stuff should kind of fade at some point. So uh, just put that aside. If you're looking for some humor today and some encouragement at the same time, you have come to the right place. No matter where you're at or what you've experienced in life, today's guest is sure to grab your attention and have a positive impact on you. I promise you. Where else are you going to hear from a public school band teacher, an avid runner, husband, father of five, foster parent who's involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, yet he's willing to discuss struggles in dealing with a traumatic childhood? Dan Cooper, what is up?
0: Hey Bubba, thank you so much. Like that was great, great, <laughs> great intro. Oh my gosh, sounds uh, real professional, right? right? Okay, and you're like, oh man, people are gonna be expecting a a game here. So, um, kind of cool to hear you just had your anniversary. Congrats! Thanks, uh, man. Thank you. And uh, I gotta say, like, I was thinking, I was thinking about this, like, you know, today being Veterans Day, like, um, you know, and and like we kind of have this thing that's always like, oh, you know tell a veteran thanks, you know, thank yep. you for your service. Yep. Thanks for your service. Yep. And like every, I, I did not serve. Um, and it, sadly it is like too, a, a regret. I mean, I know kind of God's got me on the path where I am, but had I could gone back, I, I wish I could have like just done, you know, ROTC, anything, sure anything, sure, just yeah. to, just be part of armed services and, um, just give a little more service. But I always thought this, you know, you, you brought up saving private Ryan mm-hmm. and, and, and like spoiler alert, but the end of that movie, You know, he's the old Mm -hmm. private Ryan is like kind of on his knees, like, tell me I've lived a life that's worth it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more that I talk with veterans, the more I see that that is what a veteran would appreciate more instead of saying like, oh, thank you for your service. Like, I think like it's, it makes a greater sacrifice to live a life that is worthy of the sacrifice. Okay. You know, does that make sense? So like, instead of just saying like, hey, thanks veterans. Like, I feel like you can honor their service more by being like this country will still stand for what you hoped it stood for when you gave your life or when you served. That instead, like it's an everyday thing where you're like, I will be the man, father, whatever, citizen that is worthy of the sacrifice that you made. Um, And I think that is a way better like I mean, yes. Still say thank a veteran. Sure, sure. But like to think about more like what would what would honor the sacrifice that you made, even if you didn't give your life, but you know you you gave of yourself, your time, um, and put yourself on the line. What would make you proud of that? I think is to see people, you know, living honorable lives. Yeah. To see people being like good husbands and fathers, and you know, raising kids and um, like making making your life honorable sure, or worthy sure. of that sacrifice. So it's a much harder call, you know, than like, we like to just be like, Hey, thanks for your service. Thanks for your service. I or, I agree. You know, but like, it what? sounds
1: disingenuous a little exactly. bit. Like exactly. it's the right thing to say, but there's not a whole lot of heart in it. If right. you, if you could say something like that, like, Hey, I just want to thank you. Your serving has given me the opportunity to live a life, raise a family, be a man of integrity, you right. know, and live up to what you provided kind of, if you could have a couple sentences rather than just, yeah, thank you exactly, for service. exactly.
0: Sure. And then if you think about the, the people that like willingly laid down their lives, like t- to, say that, like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to disgrace your sacrifice because of that. You know, Yeah, that's, uh, yeah I, I agree. think a super valuable way to, to honor veterans is that by what kind of person you are. Sure. Right. Um, and that, I think that applies a lot to our faith too. Cause you think about the same thing that like Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. not only gave his life, but took on the penalty of sin yep. and yeah. that, that we say the same thing where you say like, well, because of that sacrifice, I don't, I don't want to do anything that would um, dishonor Oh yeah, this yeah. sacrifice that Jesus made for me. I want to live my life in a way that mm-hmm. everybody would be like, yeah, it was a worthy sacrifice. Yep. You know, where, uh So so it's kind of like the same way, like kind of crazy to think about veterans serving, giving their life as an example of what Jesus has done for us, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, what's the Bible say? There's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his brother. And Jesus walked that for all of us. And and yeah, that's definitely an example we can see in our military. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I I got off track, but I just wanted to say that it's, you know, (laughs) being Veterans Day today. Uh, it's a great way that, like, I think people would be like, how do I thank a veteran? You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's it. Live a life that's worthy of the sacrifice. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. No, there's no... This this is just us having a conversation. If we get off track for a minute, we'll come right back to the to the outline, man. Don't worry about <laughs> hey, that.
0: I'll tell you, anybody that knows me knows we will get off track. That's like a classic. <laughs> like, know. wait, 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 wait. Where was I? Hold on. About...
1: I know. It's it's hard when you record. You know, family says, well, how long do you think you'll be, you know, so we can make plans for the rest of the day? I was like, you never just know. Just make plans. It doesn't just... know. Just give me a few hours. It might be one hour, but it might go three hours. You don't know. That's so. all right. All right. Well, yeah, no, that's a good start, man. And just so you know, if you see that in front of you, you do get a free t-shirt today.
0: Oh, I it's in the notes. I, I yes. saw that. I was like that's yes. awesome. Yes. Yes,
1: you get a free t-shirt. Thank you, mom. She uh about a month ago, my mom lives in uh Mississippi. She she worked with somebody down there and I sent her the logo and she they came in just in the nick of time, the t-shirt, and she had them all printed up, didn't go to bed, hopped on a plane, came up here and visited for a week. And uh, was able to bring them with her. So now all my all my guests get a free T-shirt. If, if you're out there and you want to sponsor the show, help pay for the show, you can buy a T-shirt. That's no problem. We have extra. So just let me know.
0: I'll be sporting this around. All right, good. So yeah, that's. that's like a t-shirt. I meant
1: to tell you that like right away when we first started communicating, like what you can do between now and when your episode airs is spread the show around as much yeah. as possible. Send them, give them the links wherever they listen. Tell them to follow it and all that good stuff. That way, when they come to listen to your episode, the numbers have just grown yeah. and grown and grown. So, But yeah, we're going to get into your story, man. Let's, let's just begin with where you're at kind of right now. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your life, and then we'll get into the past.
0: Uh, you got it. You do. Uh, you are right. I am from Denver, and I know there's some... Some bad blood there. Sorry to the Wapsie Valley Warriors. Uh, You can still find my dad's grad picture in the Wapsie Valley Hallways, though. Okay. Class of 1974, Marlon Cooper. And he is sporting maybe, I don't even know what you call it, but it's a beautiful hippie haircut. Oh, the long flowing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's there. And now he looks, he's got less hair than I do. I am uh, mostly bald. Uh, But, man, 1974, Um, um, I'm sure... There's some people out there that could be like, wait, Marlon Cooper. Oh my gosh. And it's funny, like we haven't been in the area and moved back to this area. And, uh, I've got to know some former classmates and people that grew up with them and like, you know, you kind of hear stories that maybe dad didn't share when you were growing up. Oh yeah. You know, who, yeah. who their old traveling buddies were and what kind of stuff they got up to. So sorry, dad, the secrets are out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we live in Denver. I've, I've been teaching there for 22 years Oh, uh, Yeah, that's a long time. I was fresh out of college and got a job there. And um, right now, um, we're living in Denver. My wife teaches in Cedar Falls. And uh, we have five kids. And two are uh, have been just with us for about six months. So we got Lily. Uh, she's 16. Ben is also 16, just about to turn 17. Jack and Josh are both in eighth grade. And um, Jack's 14. Josh is 13. And Sam is 11 yeah same as 11 we got a couple cats couple nope just one dog that we're just watching for right now okay um and uh you know in the in the in the free time that we have which i feel like uh, anybody that's parenting is like free time like what's that yeah it's yeah. a funny question Bubba. when you're like hey do you have any hobbies or interests i'm like i think so i just don't remember them you don't get back yeah because to- uh they just don't happen that much. I mean, most, most of the time it's just kind of like trying to enjoy life in the middle of the kind of like nonstop running the chaos so like, there's always something, always somebody going somewhere yeah. and just trying to find times to like, enjoy that time. Find together. those moments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I, I do really enjoy sports watching um, just about everything, playing. Again, just about everything. Okay. Um, and that's always kind of fun to have the kids get along, you know, like joining in that kind of uh, stuff, you know. Oh, like yeah. Playing catch, whatever, going golfing. We live pretty close to the golf course in Denver. And, um, Or summer times in the swimming pool, man, all the things that like you like to do as a kid, I feel like being a dad is a one way to like be able to go do them again and have no one judge you. You know, they're like, well, you go down the water slide so much. Like, oh my gosh, it's a blast. That's why like, (laughs) but I mean, no, it's for the kids. It's for the kids, everybody. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then actually this summer, um, you know, I, I have like running has been for probably man 15 years or so like kind of a lifeblood but it's kind of like maybe i'm getting older and so like i don't run as much anymore and there was like a, a season where it was just body falling apart yeah like yep. oh my knees hurt my, my stress fracture plantar fasciation whatever you know yeah. kind of like um and uh, you know i should also mention uh for your listeners like even though i do say avid runner and i like um playing sports and And lifting and everything, I am not in super awesome physical shape. Um, some people like to use the, the word dad bod, but I prefer father figure. Okay. It's more of a father figure. Right. Um, so, um, I do enjoy all those things. I like running is great for your mental health and, um, but but we've gotten a lot more into lifting. Um, and part of that I think is just the boys are getting to an age where they're in the gym more often. Yeah. And, um i uh, I have access to the Denver weight room, and so we kind of take advantage of that and just go whenever we want. so
1: that multi-million dollar facility over there, yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's
0: kind of like our own private gym so nice uh, I mean it's not really that private like other people can be up there, but oh. with my keys we can go kind of anytime nice, um, which has been really great. Um, it also makes you feel super strong when you, you have this kind of, like, old man strength, you know? Yeah. Where your boys are like, oh, oh my gosh, you're, like, warming up on my max. I'm like, that's right, son. No. Been around for a while, junior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get back Not in line. Not a big deal, right. <laughs> yeah, so the kids really, they keep us pretty busy, kind of active in all, all facets of school and growing up.
1: I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, well, speaking of, you know, the kids, let's... Let's get into your childhood a little bit, you know, we'll, we'll kind of break this up into little chunks and let the audience get to know you, uh, tell me about your childhood.
0: Uh, yeah, no problem. So, uh, like, I mean, I I mentioned kind of, we grew up pretty poor and, um, actually like at the very start, man, I was a farm kid and we, um, were on my grandpa's farm and, uh, that was in Zwingle, Iowa.
1: Where is that? Zwingle Zwingle is,
0: yeah, Zwingle it's in like Catholic country. It's like near Dubuque. It's in okay. between Dubuque and Makokata. Okay. A just tiny little town. Um, and uh, they had a, they had a, like a, a house at one part of the, of the farm and kind of across a calf yard, there was another little duplex that we shared with my great grandmother, granny. Um, so growing up there, like, man, she had like just a million cats. It was nasty. Uh, you know, the kind of like, uh, yeah, gross. Right. So I could still like, you know, you get like, traumatic response from the smell of cat litter or, uh, that's also why she, she wouldn't feed him cat food. She'd feed him tuna. Oh,
1: and so like,
0: Oh, the, that's this, even worse. I can't, I can't handle tuna. Like, you know, you, that canned <laughs> tuna is like, Oh, Oh, geez. Oh, so gross. Oh, but yeah, man, we were, we were poor. Uh, I mean, my parents, I think they got married young and, um, then it was just kind of like having kids like, Hey, we got to pay the bills. What are we going to do? So, we moved around uh, quite a lot. It was like we left the farm and moved into Dubuque, I think, for a job for my dad. And that didn't last very long, maybe five, six months. He was uh, just kind of doing any kind of odd job he could okay. find. Had not gone to college or anything at that time. So we just came out of high school. And I think they got married out of high school and um, started working. Well, then we moved, ended up moving to Sumner. Okay. And uh, my grandpa worked at a construction company. So they started working. He started working construction with... Um, my grandpa. But, yeah, money always tight. And I mean, like, super tight. Like, um, I had five sisters growing up. Okay? I was number two of the of the five. And um, I had to wear hand-me-down clothes. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so it's one thing to have hand-me-down clothes. Like, I'm not knocking that. But when it's your sister's hand-me-down clothes, you know, and I'm, Ouch. like, dressing up for school, and it's got, to, like, just picture, like, the like, really poofy little shoulder, you know, like, little... And like the little frills on the sleeves and stuff. Oh my I mean I remember being like, Mom, Mom, this girl's shirt. I'm not wearing a girl shirt. She's like, It's fine, you're not it's not a girl's shirt, okay? Your sister wore it. It's not a girl's shirt. I'm like, It's a girl's shirt. Mom's a girl's shirt. And then that Ooh. day at school, I'll never forget all day long, every one of the guys, hey man, why are you wearing a girl's shirt? You know, you're like, oh, oh I told you, mom, mom, mom. dang it, there's a girl's shirt. I knew it. Okay. But like, also, like, I don't Ooh. know if you ever hit the pay less shoes. Like, oh, yeah. it, I don't know if that's still a thing, but like, you know, the cheapest where you were like, it, it's like the Nike swoosh upside down. Yeah. So it looks yep. like they're like super cheap, made of plastic, falling apart all the time. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't last a school year. I remember. Oh, right. And, uh, I mean, I remember having to get government cheese. I don't know. If oh my I think gosh. That's I was Me, too. Me too. Me <laughs> too. Government cheese.
1: I have friends who had never heard of that term. Yeah. Right. Like, and I was like, no, that government cheese, that's kind of where it's at, man. That's... Yeah.
0: I, I can't remember if it was sliced or if it was like a big old Velveeta brick or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh good man. Good times. Uh, <laughs> and we had one summer. Okay. So, so, you know, we kind of bounced around, like we've rented houses for a while and it wasn't till like longer after that. It kind of got a little more financially stable and so at one point my dad was like hey I can't keep working construction my whole life I'm gonna have to do something I yeah, got it yeah. and so he had always kind of been like techie and and he went to he started going to Iowa State and I think wanted to be an engineer and so he kind of was like hey you know what would it look like if I if I went into engineering so we went to Hawkeye and got like an electrical engineering like an AA or like a you know two yep, year a two-year degree, two year degree. But in the meantime, you know, um, mom's still home with like five kids. I think my youngest sister is like eight years younger than me. So she was not in school yet. So we had about two years where like not, we went from low income to no income. Ugh. Right. And, um, yeah, well, in all the government assistant programs, but like, you know, I, it's, it's when, uh, like my older sisters and I, <laughs> we call it the summer of cabbage, okay now (laughs) so like we just ate whatever came out of the garden and uh you know my mom's like oh the garden it was so plentiful that year like aren't you so grateful i'm like mama i don't know how you could cook cabbage so many ways it was nasty right you're just like cabbage third fry, boiled cabbage too i'm gonna chop up cabbage and put it in spaghetti i don't think she did that but isn't that in
1: the like the the charlie and the chocolate factory remake they're living in that little shack and that's all she's doing is making (laughs) cabbage stew every time yeah right Yes. Oh, so you live that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's not like, I don't, I you know, we never went hungry or anything. Right. Okay. Like, things were tight. And, uh, you know, the, the tough spot about it was, like, now that I look back, I can't imagine the, the kind of stress that put my parents on. You know, on like, the parents. Here we got five kids, six six kids, five-year-olds, uh, trying to grow up, trying to, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I know now, like, holy cow, like, man, when you buy shoes, you got to, it's almost like taking out a payday loan or something yeah. right like it's tough uh, and to have no money coming in you know yeah just levels of stress would be really tough sure sure um but uh let's see after the, after it was about 6th grade um we moved from sumner it was like after my dad got a he got a job at rockwell in cedar rapids which is like been bought out and everything sure sure um and after that we moved to vinton iowa and that's where like they bought a house and you know things financially started to like turn a little bit because he had a job and then my mom was like going back to school i think as soon as he started working she was like trying to go into be a dental hygienist. So okay. So not too long into middle school, both parents are working and, you know, we're starting to like, I don't know, like, like be able to like have groceries, but you know, like, yeah. I mean like maybe go to like,
1: McDonald's once every once yeah, in a while. No, we something.
0: never McDonald's. It was always um long John Silver's for us. Okay. That was but the, that was a go-to it was a fancy time, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, you know, just, things started, things started to turn around a little bit. um, and uh you yeah, said yeah. that's junior high yeah time. yeah we moved wow. in sixth grade so like okay. kind of like through th- through junior high high school i mean it's a totally different um like our childhood my older sister colleen and i we always we always remember things a little different because yeah. you know we were older and so we grew up most of our childhood was poor 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 poor, poor right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it was like man you just, you just you're just kind of grateful what you got yeah you're not gonna like expect too much yep and um, then the younger one, you know, you know, Kate, my youngest sister, she's eight years younger than me. So, you know, I graduated high school and she was ten, like just still just in fifth grade. And things started to change a little bit as people move out of the house and the parents start making a little more money. And there's one family uh, holiday or something. We were all together, and uh, my sister goes to my dad. She's like, "Hey, I, I was thinking about maybe going and buying some jeans." And I kind of look over at my older sister. And I'm like, oh, she's going to get it. Like, <laughs> she has not, no idea. Yeah, you're not going to, you don't go asking for money like that. And then I was, my jaw hit the floor. And my dad pulls out his wallet and handed her a stack of bills. And my sister, my older sister and I were like, look at each other like, what just happened? What? Like you, oh. I mean, flabbergasted. Absolutely Was flabbergasted. there any anger? I <laughs> oh mean, my you God. you're shocked, but were yes, you actually mad? Well, okay. Both of us were like, hey, so do we like do we get back pay Yeah, or that's something? just what you know, I like, was thinking. I'm like, come on now. Like, I remember getting a part-time <laughs> job so I didn't have to wear, pay less shoes anymore. Uh, and she's like, hey, can I get... And there was like, I mean, it wasn't ones, right? It was like bills with zeros on it. And you're like, what is happening here? Wow. It's kind of funny just to think of like what changed from the beginning of that till then. So, you know, I mean, were, there's things that I wish I could have changed about that, of course. I mean, we'll get to... All that later but like for the most part you know you're growing up you don't really you don't really know about all the problems and everything yeah that, um, yeah. that they're going through what was great my parents became believers like shortly after um after they were married i think and um when we were in sumner we started going to this after school good news club oh good and uh i don't know if that is it, i don't i don't know if it was a thing if it was like a nationwide movement or something but anyway i still remember Shirley Dickinson was the uh sh- like ran it and
1: uh, oh man like, now we have listeners in the Sumner area so if anybody knows Shirley, it's like Shirley Dickinson Shirley
0: and Daryl i they may have passed i i know Daryl passed away several years ago well
1: um, somebody get back to me and let me know if if they're around or if not and if if they are maybe we can yeah, get this Yeah for too. sure there's
0: got to be people that remember Shirley yeah. Dickinson she's about the sweetest woman on earth and uh, even man, they just followed us forever. Like so, we, I accepted Jesus as a child, like in her kitchen. Okay. Like one day after the club, she was like, do you want to pray to accept Jesus? And I, I mean, I think, you know, as much as a child can know what they're doing, I felt like I, 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 you know, knew what was going on, but right. Um,
1: you knew it was the right thing to do, but yeah, it, it, you exactly. weren't committing to live for the Lord at that time. You, you couldn't right. even understand what that would yes entail. Right. Well, I, I know what you mean.
0: Exactly how the kind of Christian faith works is that like at the time your commitment is real and authentic, but you don't know the depths of it. And then the the times that you'll re kind of recommit and Mm -hmm. re up the ante for each of those. Um, So, you know, that was pretty formative. And I would say I grew up aware of faith, but it wasn't really like like I wasn't like this you know, 10 year old on fire for Jesus or anything. Okay. Just kind of like, I knew the right thing. I tried to do the right thing. But, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, not, not like major, like, oh, this little kid is like just preaching fire. And you know, like that wasn't you. No, okay. no, exactly. All right.
1: So what about like high school and stuff like that? Did you get a little bit older?
0: Uh, Yeah. So, uh, at, you know, kind of near the end of high school, things started going kind of wonky. Um, my, my sisters, you know, just, like, older sister kind of got in with some kind of the party crowd. And, and things kind of just went a little weird, you know, where, like, kind of behavior and, uh that, okay. that like, you just, like, it not, um... It's nothing that, like, had ever happened before, you know, like, like, growing up, like, we, she, none of the girls were, like, super rebellious or anything. But, like, all of a sudden, okay. we just hit this, like, crazy rebellious streak. And as I'm getting close to, um kind of getting out of high school um, you know is this odd moment my sister had graduated she was two years older than me so she had graduated and had had it must have been like my junior senior year because it was like right at the end and she had two kids now so and they're just little babies right just had a baby and then
1: um living on her own though or um, still she, living was,
0: she actually got married got okay. married like maybe right out of high school right at the end of high school it's kind of hard to remember all that but she showed up in our backyard one day and and just by herself and was talking kind of like a, a baby like a like a child and acting lost and you know so like mom was like what is going on and like yeah. and she's saying, like where are the babies and what well so you know i mean after fast forward kind of through all this like what's happening and traumatic and talking to doctors and, um, it turns out she had multiple personality disorder. Okay. And, um, they're like, you know, talking about like, Hey, this, this doesn't just spontaneously happen. And, um, you know, was there trauma childhood trauma or anything? And at the time, you know, we're like, well, I mean, no, no. But then all of a sudden these like this kind of triggered memories where, you know, she was then starting to remember some things that happened. Um, when we were much younger, okay, like, and um, then kind of the wheels came off right at that point, because uh, like stuff started coming out a little bit, and you know it's like like with childhood trauma, especially you know when it's like what we experienced at a at a very young age, um, a lot of times it's not like you don't actively remember, right? It's not like you you know yeah. And, you you have suppressed memories. Suppressed your body, there, that's the word. Yep. And your body, um, for her, like it, the defense mechanism was that it created like you know separate personalities that could handle the trauma, and then another another part of personality or whatever you know that was still could maintain this could go like, function. Yeah, yep. exactly. It's the only I know way that, exactly what you mean. That your body can uh, handle that. Mm-hmm. And so, man, all the stuff started to come out, and it it kind of went crazy. Okay. Um, so it's a couple of years. Gosh, I was I I, I want to say it's over now, but like it's not something that you just get over with. Um and it came out that like like at the hands of some of our family, um we had been experiencing just terrible terrible uh abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um like awful awful stuff. And um one of the one of the great things that I I'm actually still thankful for is the way that like God blessed me with this trauma response that I just have absolutely no memory of it. Okay. Absolutely no memory there. There's some, you know, odd times that I'll, you'll have nightmares that don't make sense, you know, or like, uh, and what I, I feel, you know, super guilty about this because I mean, I have sisters who are like, do you remember this? Like, do you remember this? Like how about when this happened? You're like, I don't, No, I can't remember any of this. Mm. Um, And uh, it's almost like, you know, like survivor's guilt that you're like, why, why am I spared from all this terrible stuff? Because, you know, they, they went through just rough years rough years i mean when all that trauma comes out man it's like depression anxiety like turning to everything that you could think of to to cope right yeah, and so i mean yeah. like the struggles with uh drugs or alcohol or relationships like it just it kind of goes through every facet of life mm-hmm. so here we were this like kind of family like on the up and up maybe you know like hey, sure. your parents are getting jobs and like it just crumbled you know, I mean, like my parents, poor parents. What, what are they? What could they do? Because, like, some of the nature of this, like, it's, it was really, I mean, just pure evil. But, um, the family, um, that, the like, the abusers would um, lace hard candies with like animal tranquilizers. Like You've they got a, to be kidding and me! And would. So they would drug, you know, they'd be like pushing this candy on us like, hey, come over family dinner. And like parents were there, but like a few, you know, a few candies later and they're like incapacitated and the, you know, like, wow, where, where it was like happening right under their nose. And of course, oh my gosh, the level of guilt that, and like, that they are like, what could we have done? You know what it, it is just, I cannot imagine having to go through that. And you know it's, what I mean?
1: It's stuff, it's stories like that. People say they're, they're few and far between or whatever. Well, it matters to the few then and yeah. it causes real damage. And, and that, that's the kind of stuff. That's the reason why everyone's worried. You know, like if my kids go into somebody's house, I need to know their parents. I need to know what's going to be going on over oh, there. Exactly. I need, and back in the day, it was just, I don't know. I imagine, you know, when we were kids, I mean, I, look, I mean, yeah, you didn't, you just, you go over to a friend's house, and other families kind of looked out for other families. It seemed like, but there's there's the bad actors yeah. out there that kind of ruin that innocence for for everybody, right? Man.
0: Right, Man. and that it was go you know it was going on like kind of under their noses, and nobody knew about it. And you know, like how like rest of the rest of the family, like you know aunts and uncles that were just like, no, this doesn't happen. It's not they're like okay but you can't make up true you can't make up trauma responses yeah you know yeah. you can't fake yeah. multiple personality multiple personality disorder you can't fake uh like all these now you know i've i found out now like it's ptsd or or complex ptsd is mm-hmm. like the you you don't fake that stuff right it's not yeah you it's, don't it's, ask for it right it, and, and nobody's sitting down there like, um, gosh, I think I should cry for seven hours, like, uncontrollably. Right, right. Okay, yeah. so, like, so at, at the start, though, like, it was just, it was kind of like they remembered some stuff. And so I was, like, thinking to myself, like, oh, I, maybe I was, I, like, escaped this. So, I mean, it totally, while they all fell apart.
1: I Life went, went to, on for you. Yep,
0: I went off to college and okay. just checked out.
1: Okay. So I tell me about out. college a little bit. What what was going on yeah, with so you I went
0: to Wartburg which uh, you guys probably are quite familiar with in yeah. Waverly Iowa yeah. and i, I been good at music and I really decided to become a music major it was like kind of like almost like a coin flip oh now well, it makes
1: sense yeah that
0: I uh, I was like competing for a scholarship or something I was like all right God if I get this scholarship to you and I uh, then I'm, it was like a science symposium or something you know? okay like, I'm a, I'll go to I'll go to you and I I'm going to do engineering or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Mechanical engineering or something. Or if I don't, I know like I've got this scholarship at Wartburg.
1: At your fall Yeah,
0: I'll go to Wartburg for being a music major. And that was the alternate. Uh, like, so I was like, you know, one off the scholarship. And I was like, all right, go into Wartburg to be a music teacher. And there was nothing like really, you know, profound about it. It was okay. just, just ended up there. Um, but I was, you know, they say Wartburg's a church of of the college of the ELCA. And I mean, it's like, I mean, loosely affiliated, I guess you could say. Very loosely. The Lutheran church is present there, but I just didn't want to But so is everything else. Yeah. I didn't want to really have anything to do with faith, with, with God at that time. You know, like I, I never thought there was no God. I just was sure there was a God. Um, but I doubted that he was good and I didn't want to have anything to do with him.
1: And do you think that stems from what you saw manifesting in your, your sister or oh, was yeah. this just you growing up?
0: Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Definitely from, it was definitely a response to that. I mean, I remember like having, you know, moments laying in bed in college and just being like, God, how could you, Right? how could you allow this? Yeah. You know, how could this kind of thing happen? Um, and I think, I mean, now I know that's really, really common. Sure. Um, for people that go through stuff this like like that or people that experience, you know, kind of really, really terrible crimes against humanity. Mm-hmm. They're like, God, how can this how can this happen? Yeah. You know, like where were you? That was a big that was a big kind of cry. Where were you? Sure. Yeah, so I I mean I mocked Christianity. Like I would regularly uh like mock some of the traditions that, you know, were like, oh yeah, this doesn't make sense. And you know, I mean I still this is terrible. I was I was like a like a sarcastic Paul, you know, I, I just would make fun of anybody for what they believe. Sure. And, um, I just, I just kind of like checked out from everything. I, I don't want to be around the family. I didn't, Um, I didn't want to be a part of church, anything. I just kind of do my own thing and letting it forget as much as I could.
1: So did that kind of help you? Like buddies at college, the college scene, did that kind of, I mean, was that like, the end thing to do, mock Christianity from time. If that's the way conversations oh, no. were going, I think I was the leader of, of oh, that. You know, like man. it's terrible,
0: right? I would. Wow, it was awful. Here, yeah, I, I was trying to give
1: you just a little no, bit of no, no, you're no spearheading it.
0: Yeah, and there, so there were other. I mean, I had other uh, b- believing friends. I'll say, you know that. Okay, that like they'd be like, hey, come to church. It be like, nah, nope, not doing that. Um, and I just kind of fell into the party scene that like live, okay. live for today, like just about hanging out. And honestly, you know, now I look back and it's definitely just a reaction to like not, not wanting to deal with anything, not wanting to, you know, think about the difficult things to think sure. about. Just literally just what can I do to just focus on being selfish myself, have mm-hmm. a good time, not care about anyone else or yep. anything else. Yeah. Um, and it was the same with the family, you know, like there's, uh, I'd go home like for Thanksgiving day and by the end of lunch, I'd be like, well, uh, I gotta get time back to hit to the road. See ya fam. Uh, never, you know, they'd be like, <laughs> when are you coming home? Like, you know, like <laughs> uh, never. Um, uh, so I like stay, I got, I, you know, started working summers in Waverly and would just kind of do whatever I could to stay, stay away. away. Yeah. 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 Uh, which was tough, but things kind of started to change near the end of college. You know, like I, and you fast forward through this whole, um, like the party, seeing the whatever, whatever you want, and then uh, here I am, about to become a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like the last couple months of school, and um, sadly, it was like after a late night party or something and i'm i'm laying in bed don't
1: tell me you have an epiphany and after a night of drinking (laughs) yeah
0: uh i'm laying in bed you know not really feeling super uh at my full health and thinking to myself like is this is this what you thought you'd be doing is this like are you happy you know you're you're, thinking this to
1: yourself to myself
0: like this is where you thought you'd be you know you're a month away from from graduating And this is, this is who you want to be. Like, are you proud of this? And, and like, what, what's, and it was just, yeah, it was just this epiphany of like, I don't, this is, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and along with that was, you know, I actually, you know, like, I think this is like right after my grandmother passed away, like that year. And she was kind of one of the, uh, grandmother, my dad's side, um, one of the, let's say like Co-conspirators of the abuse, so she passed, and that kind of drug up a whole lot of stuff, and um, you know, so there I am laying in bed, like in the wee hours of the morning, and um, you know, like I don't want this is not who I want to be, and like God, where have you been? And then, of course, that made me think, like God, where were you? Yeah, you know, yeah. when we were when we were little kids, like where where were you in this? Like, how could you just leave these little kids to just like on their own, just to um. You know, kind of fend for themselves. So they have to like fight this evil, these little like I mean, like babies. Right. And um one of the one of the like stories that one of my sisters remembers is is like when they were when they were all little, they could hide. You know, they we get you know, they they try to chase you and then catch you and that's when kind of the abuse would begin and but if they could hide in the corner of the basement, it was behind the water heater and the girls could fit back there, uh, but the adults couldn't get them because okay. the hot water heater—you yeah. know—they get burned. And so, um, one of the stories she remembers oh, so hard to even talk about is when she was too big to fit behind the mm-hmm. water heater, and so she pushed the younger ones back, and then then she was taken.
1: Man.
0: And that story is just like so difficult to like even think about. Like, So there I was like, I'm like, God, where where were you in this? Yeah. And I just have this vision of Jesus with his arms around those little girls. Just like hugging them, crying, you know, like, hey, man, I was there. I was there with you then. I'm there with you now. And things just started to change. You know, I had been talking to this girl that I had been friends with all the way through college and she was, she was kind of like a fringe in the, in the party scene. You know, she was like there, but she would never take part, was kind of stood apart, but she would hang out and, um, we were both in the band and so we had just kind of naturally become pretty good friends and she had been trying to get me to go to church and I was like, okay, I mean, maybe I'll go, you know? (laughs) And she broke up with her boyfriend, like this long-term boyfriend. And I was like, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something, there's something there. Nice. And um, one uh, one weekend, she, is, I mean, fat, you know, spoiler alert, it's my wife, is Sarah, is like uh, who, okay. who awesome. this girl was. So she gets me like going back to church and, you know, all I'm thinking I'm like, I just think I had it all wrong. You know, like this whole time I was so angry at God and like, I was like, God, there's, I got questions Mm -hmm. and I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know the answers to, but I know that the answer is not what I was doing. The answer is not, you know, like a life of debauchery, of running away, of not dealing with it. That's step one right there. Right? So she... Um it's funny because she had an older sister and she, she's 2 years younger than me her older sister's 2 years older than me. And so I we they went to we went to the same college. Okay. The older sister knew let's say just like the the pre awakening me and younger sister got to know like the like like reconverted I guess or recommitted me. Okay. And uh so you know we started dating uh just shortly after I graduated and when Sarah told her sister she was like dan cooper like, no you why you can't be dating dan and like it took so long for her to come around i mean i hope she has actually come around i mean like, like i think so i think she has but yeah it took a long time she was like no way the guy i know would never have done this yeah. oh my gosh yeah yeah so like fast forward you know things like you know like things just turned right where it was like Okay, you can't you can't just be angry at God anymore. And mm-hmm. We started going to Prairie Lakes Church, um, okay. which it, it used to be First Baptist. So yep, when it was First, First Baptist Abbey Cedar Falls, yeah, that's where we went. And um, I ended up getting baptized there. Uh, it was great. Um, and then we just kept going closer and closer, and ended up getting married. Um, and we were the last wedding in First Baptist before it moved. They moved out to Prairie Lakes. Okay, so it was pretty cool. It was pretty great. Pastor John is probably John Fuller um, was at. First Baptist in Prairie Lakes. I think he's retired since then. But he was, okay. he was pretty instrumental in, um, like, me, like, accepting, like, oh, yeah, I, I believe. I've believed all along. I just didn't understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. I just didn't understand the gospel. Yeah. And maybe I had some people who, along the way, were trying to help, but didn't realize that maybe it was hurting, you know? Sure. I, I remember like as a kid, like you know, kind of like those teen years, I knew I was kind of, now I know oh, you're struggling with sin. And I couldn't, um. I couldn't not sin. Right. And so I asked the pastor once, I was like, I just, I try to not lie. And I just, lies come out. Like, yeah. and so I was like, how, like can a Christian still sin? And the pastor at that time was like, no, nope. oh. no, if you're, but I think here's what like t- to give the pastor benefit of the doubt. I think that the pastor was thinking, I'm asking for permission to continue sinning. Okay. Yeah. You know, like where I was like, Hey, can I still sin? But what I, what I, I just didn't know how to articulate that. You were saying, like, I was like, am I a Christian? I am because struggling I because I still sin. Like, am I Christian? Right. Yeah. And what I needed was the pastor to be like, buddy, I still sin. You're going to struggle with it till they put you in the ground. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, I had read my Bible. I still, oddly enough, that whole time I still read my Bible, but I like rejected so many of the things that people taught about the Bible, you know, where like, it'd be like, Hey, you should not drink alcohol. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, uh, Jesus first miracle was water into wine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you think he really would have made a miracle that caused all those people to sin. Sure. I don't think that's the case. And, you know, I was like, I don't think it says that. I don't think, you know, like some of the, some of the little more stringent, let's say like, uh, Footloose rules, you know, from Kevin Bacon. Oh my Kevin goodness! Yeah. Like, nope, no dancing. just no, like, don't want you dancing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Those were I was like, that's not Christianity, and actually, come to find out, it isn't Christianity. That's not. Those are like add-ons. That.
1: Yeah. You know, like kind yeah. of like
0: uh, old Pharisaical law that like, no, no, no. no we want to make sure we're 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 not uh, breaking God's law, so we're going to add extra laws on top of it yeah. to make sure we never taking get taking legalism to the next level. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So, I mean, that, that's it. That gets me to college or to, uh, teaching and, you know, we start building a family and, um, we moved around a little bit. My wife, man, she like bounced from job to job to job. We, we kind of knew things were going to work for us when she got offered a job at Tripola and I was still teaching at Denver. Okay. And then I was like, Oh, this is it. This is for real. Like, um, so yeah, we got married in, uh, 2004 whew, that was close i was like almost blank october 3rd yeah. 2004 don't want to get that wrong yeah so uh we just had our 19th uh, wedding anniversary nice and, um, she coached basketball for a while Then uh sarah got a job at waverly and uh we moved all over the place but finally landed back in denver and uh that's that's kind of where like I would, I would say we like we were treading water but like i was growing in my faith and mm-hmm. you know kids are young and And now like maybe fast forward like to four or five years ago and um, I just had a volleyball game, Denver volleyball game once, and uh, just start balling uncontrollably. Like no reason. Well, I shouldn't say no reason. I read a news report about um, uh, a child abuse case where (sighs) a guy was convicted and I knew some of the people involved. And then, so I read that, and then I was like, I just couldn't stop crying. I'm like, what's going on? That's embarrassing. Like, I'm at a volleyball game. Like, it's like all these community members, and I'm just like, it's bomb. Like, you read it on your phone yeah. while you were yep. there? Yeah, yep, um, read it. And then I, I was like, I just couldn't stop crying. I'm like, Sarah, I just, I don't know what's going on. Well, that kind of, like, unlocked something inside of me, and I started going through all of the same symptoms that some of my sisters did yeah, as oh, when they yeah. were when they were kids where i'd have nightmares um i'd have uh like crying spells where like that you know just kind of uncontrollable like i don't why am i crying i don't know what's going on but i can't stop crying yeah um and like so many like it was just it was really tough on sarah there'd be times where like she would touch you know just like i mean a totally innocent like friendly touch and i'd be like you don't touch me like i just could not handle i could not handle it um uh, now I'm finding out, like, yeah, there was just like extreme triggers of, you know, yep. kind of like this trauma was finally coming out, and that reading about that story was was maybe the the kicker that started it. And so, sure, sure. man, I was kind of like just in a tailspin of like, I don't know what's going on, um, but like depression, like major major depression, where like I was, I just there's so many days that I just it was everything I did just to get out of bed and go to work. Wow. And I remember, I remember like coming into school to start teaching and just being like, you got to stop crying. You got to get it together. Okay. Just get through the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, so many moments in that time that like, now I look back, I'm like, God, what a gift that was. You know, sometimes I'd I'd have students, you know, I, I would think like I'm holding it together. Right. While I'm at school and, Every once in a while, I, got, I get a little note, like a little post-it note, like "Hey, like sometimes just being you is enough," or like "You make a difference just by being here." Like from a student, yeah, or something? from a student, they that, see, they know. Yeah, that first of all, I'm like, oh my gosh, you can you can tell, like, you tell something's off. So with me. Yeah. that was so awful. And so as that went on, you know, I would say like, um, my wife actually who kind of spent her whole adult life dealing with anxiety and depression. And she was like really instrumental in be like, babe, this is depression. Like, yeah. this is what, yeah. this is what you need to talk to somebody about this. And I just put it off for a long time, a, a year, two years, maybe. And, um, And why do you think
1: that is? If you know something's weighing you down, something's bothering you, there's something wrong. What, what would you say is the main reason you wait so long to actually seek out some help?
0: Uh okay well honestly I'm gonna say pride, and okay. I'm gonna say uh, uh it's uh, the connotation of it of you know like what's funny I would spend my whole entire life talking to other people like hey do you do you think it's silly that a diabetic takes insulin, like no that's not ridiculous it's, it's just they need they need to it. survive right yep. do you think it's you know like then why this is me counseling others but there's something about maybe my own pride or something that. It was like i can handle this i don't need yeah i don't need a therapist yeah i can handle it other yeah. people might but i don't i, I can don't deal with that. it i don't need i don't need medication i just i'm just gonna keep running you know i'll keep and that's it that's so like physically i saw like I'm about the same time that i was running like a lot mm-hmm. right like um and um, that, that became his own sense of therapy and then i think god got a hold of me when i started getting a little older and couldn't run Right? So, you know, maybe three years ago or so, and I'm like, oh, man, th- everything got way worse. Because then, no, I wasn't running. You had no outlet. Yep, exactly. And it was it was getting bad. There were times that I was just like, "I God, I'm not going to kill myself, but I just don't want to live anymore. Right. And, you know, looking at the kids, looking at my wife and knowing like, I oh, I would never want to leave them. No, I would never do anything to them. But I just don't want to be, I just don't want to be me. Yeah. I just don't want to. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to have to face this anymore. You know, like, um, I get it. Jesus was close in those times. Right. I mean, that was, that was the, maybe the sweetest, sweetest part is that like, I could read the Psalms where David's like crying out, like how long? Oh Lord.
1: Lamenting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'd be like, Oh, that is my prayer. Lord, how long will this go on? How long? But it's, is pretty awesome
1: I, I i say that probably every single episode i tell people the answers you're looking for the help you need in today's world whatever you're dealing with that i'm not bashing counselors or therapy i know there's tremendous positive impact in that but the real deep stuff the real healing you want it, it's in the bible you, you say the psalms you say things That's where the encouragement to me, that's, you want answers, you want help, you want healing. That's where it's at. So like, who did you, who did you turn to? Did you go to a pastor? Did you go to a counselor? When you finally said, I can't do it on my own. I need some help. What, what'd you do?
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of how I got connected, um,
1: And did you go kicking and screaming? Was it Sarah that was telling you you need help or did you you finally say? Actually,
0: yeah, Sarah went with me. She went with me. We had a pastor friend that was also a counselor. So he had retired from pastoring and then did kind of like some Christian counseling Mm -hmm. and had just a couple sessions with him. And I kind of just like just vomited everything out on him. Okay. And he was like, hey, you have depression and you need like a little more um, advanced care. I don't know really how he said it, but it was like essentially like we should look you need to look at like EMDR. You need to look at some like memory therapy, like people that are, are okay. um skilled at dealing with this kind of trauma. Okay. And so he got me connected with um a lady, I d I don't remember it was Joyce was her first name. I can't even remember it anymore. Um, then she took me through like EMDR. EMDR is like electromagnetic something. I like, I can't no, eye movement. It's just it's super weird. It's the way that like memories are tied up. You so you'd like do eye tracking or something. I mean, I usually have to Google it. It's EMDR. Did it help? Oh my gosh. Here's what was crazy. It's like, Bubba, there'd be like things. She'd be like, okay, you know, think about this thing. And, uh, you know, just, just tell me just what comes up. And so I'd be thinking about something. And then you should like, you know, play some music, like focus on this one spot. And it was crazy the way that like you could have, you like focus your eye in a specific spot and then access a different part of your brain or something. And then all of a sudden I'd like, I would just like start talking about like all these memories or feelings or whatever. She's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, good. It was, it was really, it was like, um, it was like drawing poison from a wound, right. Where man, it was not comfortable. And I would spend almost every session with her crying for like 45 minutes you know, like the whole session would just be like, okay, let's get started. By the way, I hate crying, you know, <laughs> and yeah, then just, yeah. just, she would she like, oh yeah, that was really good. I was like, what do you mean good? I just like bawled my eyes out for, you know, 40 minutes. And, but, uh, what was great was that she was, I mean, she was a Christian counselor and she was like, Hey, you know, like your faith is one of the strongest things about you. This is been so strong. And then, you know, we had been going through, I I, I met with her for a year and a half or two years oh man and and then she was like hey i really think you should talk to a friend of mine that also does um like psych meds okay and um i was like so hesitant because just you know i had seen actually my wife had been on um some antidepressants mm-hmm. and like her cycle kind of went like this like they would increase the dosage increase the dosage increase the dosage and then it wouldn't be effective and she'd have to switch. And then yep. it would go. And so I was like, I don't really want to go down that. Road. You don't
1: even want to start that process.
0: And, yeah. um, it was again Joyce's words. She was like, would you make, you know, you wouldn't shame somebody for taking insulin. You know, if they're yeah. and I was like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Did somebody tell you to say that or what? Like, <laughs> it was awesome. It's, it's, <sighs> but like that, that counseling, and then finally just admitting like, you know what? Trauma re- rewires your brain. That's that was the biggest thing. Learning that like trauma rewires your brain, and your fight or flight, you know, mechanism or whatever, it will just flare off sometimes because it used to have to be on, mm-hmm. and that was a survival mechanism then, and now it's causing you all these like, because you know it's like just kind of haywire. It's like fight yeah. or flight, fight or flight, fight yeah. or flight when you're you're not in a situation like that, mm-hmm. and your body can't handle that kind of flood of cortisol and. Um, and so she's like, medication can help sure, sure. this treatment, right? Yeah. It can help balance out, um, whatever, some of the, some of the serotonin or whatever. The, yep. Yeah. Uh, and so begrudgingly I went and, you know, like it, it has definitely, it's definitely helped. Um, I know it's not for everybody and I, I do hope that I can move to a time where like I can wean off of it and, and, mm-hmm. you know, not need it. Uh, I don't know. I guess, kind of retraining my brain yep. or anything. Yeah. But, you know, the, the all the way through that, it's still, you have that, like, how long, right? How long? Right. And, you know, as I'm reading through the Bible, I start to see, like, a lot of people that have dealt with the how long. You know, like, have you ever thought about how um, Noah, like, I just love, there's like one, there's one sentence, one verse in, you know, in Genesis, and it's like, Noah did all that God asked him. And that one sentence is, takes about a hundred years right that's like okay he built the ark that's a hundred years yeah, yeah okay or like when anytime you look at anybody that God has used and there's almost always a season of waiting or a season of suffering suffering yeah and a lot longer than might be comfortable yeah right like Joseph went to prison his his brothers he had to listen to there where his brothers argued whether they should kill him kill him or sell, or sell, him. sell him into slavery can you imagine that? Like, I mean, just, it's like recorded, but like, just picture Joseph being there like, uh, hey, yeah, don't, no, don't kill me. Don't kill yeah. me. How yeah. How about option three? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, ha- I'll just be nicer, guys. You can have my coat. Oh, man. Yeah. I won't <laughs> even
1: talk about the stupid coat anymore. Yeah. Know? Right, right. You, right. <laughs> and they yeah. said, oh, yeah, we're going to get that coat. Not uh, in the way you think. Teared up. Oh, huh?
0: man. Yeah. Um. So, you know, like things kind of came full circle, right? Um, like where it was like now having gone through all that, like, it's incredible. The, the way that you can see people dealing with what you dealt with, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe being able to say, Hey, um, I tried to do it on my own for a long time and, and it just doesn't work. Yep. You know,
1: I agree. I agree. I got, I got all kinds of opinions and experiences to add on that you know it's I've seen exactly what you're talking about I mean you can have stuff happen in a childhood or at one point in your life or whatever and you dealt with it and stored it away and then it comes out I mean I've 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 seen that my wife's mom died when she was in high school and you know that's that's tough on a teenager and and yeah she had some some things come out one night we were just sitting in the apartment and and all of a sudden you know Things happen, and that's, you know, that's back in the late 90s. Nobody's talking mental health back then like we are today or yeah. things like that, and and when you see that happen, uh, yeah, mental health is real, and and my opinions have changed on that. You know, that's why I'm glad to see you bring up medication. I was always, no, just go see a Christian counselor. God can handle anything. Well, and then you start going to some of these Christian counselors, and they realize, no, you, have, you don't understand the brain. There can be imbalances in there that, you know, something— some medicine might help. Uh, and you just, I had to learn to kind of open up my mind to that. And,
0: uh, yeah,
1: it's, I'm glad to see more, the more people like you share, you know, the more it opens people up to understand, maybe I got something going on. Maybe I need to get, maybe that's the first step in healing is, you know, people just being willing to share about, you know, being vulnerable and saying, this is what's happened. This is how I'm dealing with it right now. You know, and, it makes people more, you know, gives them more courage to, to seek the help that they need and yeah. not feel so what stigmatized by right. it or, exactly. or whatever.
0: Exactly. And like, I, I mean, sadly, I think I saw, I viewed it as a form of weakness yep. for a yep. long time. And instead now it's the, the role, the, it's almost reverse where I'm like, no, weakness is trying to pretend like you got it all together and you're like, oh man, somebody's going to figure out one day yep. that I am just barely holding it together. Yep yeah I'm just holding on and true strength is actually like hey opening up showing your vulnerability and saying like this is my struggle yeah like there's nothing you can do that will break me down more I have been broken yeah and um I mean thanks be to God he has built me back up yeah amen right that's just that's the incredible part
1: but but we're not wired that way especially as men I mean maybe even women would be more likely to do that but yeah we think it's its strength to sit there and hang on to it when really strength is saying I need to deal with this. That's that's yeah. just the way that's the way our brains are backwards. I guess That's doesn't make sense. But would you say like through all that stuff have you have you been able to turn that around and like the Bible says you know use that for good? Yeah. You Tell know, me a little bit about that.
0: It's it's insane, right? To think about that that would ever. Anything good could come out of that. Yeah,
1: you wouldn't think so,
0: right? And um, let me preface any of this by saying, if given the chance, I would a hundred percent take it back, right? I would change what happened, right? Because mm-hmm. it's awful and right. it was terrible. Yeah. But when you look at kind of like, well, why do why do bad things happen to good people? You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, that's kind yeah. of like what like it's just a very personal view on that question of like, how can God allow evil? Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I look at that, I think of like the example of Jesus and when Jesus died, like at the time of his crucifixion, you could probably say to all of his followers, is good or bad they'd be like this is the worst thing that could ever happen yep. how could anything good happen out of this so we might say that is the largest tragedy in human history mm-hmm. is the crucifixion of Jesus and Jesus turned it into the greatest triumph of all time Yeah, like in all yeah. of creation that tragedy was the greatest triumph and Jesus himself pled to not have to do it yeah right before yeah, he went to the before. cross he was like God I don't want to do this like if there is any other way Right. So the good that comes out of it, I think is like that. I mean, sadly that, that kind of the, all the trauma has really made me who I am, you know, like, I mean, um, I mean, some of, some of the limited memories I have would be of like, um, me cracking jokes to my sisters and cousins, like in the middle, just like trying to, like, I hate to say lighten the mood, Yeah. but you know, like it's like kind of, a dark and heavy time and and you know like cracking a joke here and there like you know laughing makes you feel better and i mean that's kind of continued to be like one of my favorite things to do is you yeah. know joke around with people and okay being able to crack jokes but but i mean not only that like sarah and i have i think such a heart for um like hurting kids like kids who are hurting, not, okay. not I should say, like, no, not yeah. like, come here you kids. I like, didn't take it I'm that way, but yeah. Uh, but I mean like for kids who are hurting. Gotcha. And that is, that brought us into fostering, you know, that nice. brought us, it, it, um, it, has like changed the way that like, I don't, I don't know if like hurt people can see the hurt in others or what, but I just, I feel like I have this like God given sense to, to tell when somebody's struggling. Sure. So sure. many times throughout my career where like, Kids have been like, you know, like, hey, you you need somebody to talk to, you know, and then, like, they do, they get help, and they're like, how how I thought I was, I thought my mask was, you know, impenetrable, yep, how yep. could you see? And hmm. like, you know, I just recognize the mask, that's all, yep. you know, been where there. you can see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And that's, you know, it's sad and hard in the times, you know, because you don't want to see kids deal with that, but, like, no. to think that, like, some kids like we suicidal and who got help, you know, that some kids were like really struggling through depression and have helped. And, and, you know, maybe some kids like now didn't have homes that do, you know, um, mm. Man, like, that's awesome. That's that. I mean that, like I said, that is like changed who I am. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I would still absolutely change it in a heartbeat, but, uh, I also have to trust that God knew.
1: Yeah.
0: And God knows. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And there's going to be a world one day where that that kind of evil doesn't exist. We're we're just not there yet. Right. So, and for anybody listening, you can know for a fact you're going to be a part of that world. And uh, if you've listened to anything we we've, we've shared the gospel, me and Dan are in. All right. So if you want to be there, if you <laughs> you can too. Right. If you're if you're a believer, this is as close to hell as you're going to get. Situations like what Dan's been talking about, because in the next world that stuff don't exist. Okay. But If you're not a believer, this is as close to heaven as you're going to get. So you need to be thinking about that. We want you there. So, um, so you spoke recently at an event. Was that in Cedar Falls, Fields of Faith? Yeah, Cedar
0: Falls High School. Yes, part of FCA. the Fellowship of Christian Athletes put on.
1: Tell me a little bit about that. That um, is cool. I've always admired Fellowship of Christian Athletes.
0: It uh, actually so it started in Denver because of uh, one of our former teachers, Dave Ricketts, uh, a great guy. He was a shop teacher, and he, uh, I, he I think he knew Corey Peters, who had done the Cedar Falls FCA. Like okay. they had must have gone to church together, I think, okay. and were family friends. And so he was like, "I got to get one started here in Denver." So he got it up and running, kicked it off, and then. Um, left teaching to go back into, uh, like construction for himself. Okay. And then it was like this kind of void of like, Whoa, who's going to do FCA? Like who could, and I had always wanted to be more involved, but you know, we were fostering and when the kids were young, it was just kind of like, wow, I don't really have time to, to really help out, um, with, you know, like adding another thing on my plate. Yeah. Um, but some changes at work, like they had hired part-time help to help me, you know, like with kind of our numbers at school. So that freed up some time. And then as the kids got older and I was like, you know, I really think this is, uh, something I should do. So we, we kicked it off last year and, um, or I shouldn't say kicked off. We like kind of fired up again, like okay. it, and COVID kind of killed that. So, you know, put really put a damper on that fire and. Um, then Karen Moreland, she's kind of like our area rep just asked me like, Hey, do you think you'd be willing to share a testimony, uh, at fields of faith? <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if she knew what she was getting into. Cause I had not really talked. I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, those are kind of cards you keep close to the chest sure, about, yeah. you know, childhood trauma. And I do think it, it helps to talk about it and it can really help other people who are like, Hey, look, I have gone through stuff too. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah there's just some comfort knowing that. And so it's like, you know what, maybe it's time that I just kind of share about this. Put it out there. Uh, so yeah, I got to share it fields of faith. It was pretty great. I think a couple hundred high school kids were there and, um, some college girls shared kind of like how, where they, you know, how FCA is kind of like helped them grow closer and some of the work that they've been doing. And then, um, uh, Jake Peters, I think Cedar Falls, Sear Falls football player, high school football player okay. had shared a little bit about, you know, how his faith has kind of helped him get through school and nice. how to, how to, um, you know, handle being a, a Christian and an athlete and what that looks like. And then, um, I got to share a little bit just about what God's been doing in my life. Um, and kind of a little bit about this story. I, I made it pretty PG, you know, I just kind of glossed sure. over coming to the, some of the, some of the worst parts, but, um, and then, uh, Really, this uh, the kind of the biggest part with all that captive audience is want to just encourage them in their faith, and let the people that don't know Jesus like how, right? Okay. Of like, what, do, what does it mean follow Jesus? You know, like, uh, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah, yeah. Couple hundred kids. How long was the event? Oh gosh, I think it was an uh, hour, hour and a half. There okay. were some kids. There were some others that like led worship, and um, all the, the group led worship it was outside on the on the Cedar Falls high school football field. Okay. Like on their practice field. And then afterwards, great thing is like all the kids, they invite all the kids from the stands come out on the field and then, then you just spend time in prayer together. Wow. So, you know, they just picture all those kids in like little pockets all around the football field, just praying for each other Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, praying whatever's on their heart. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty great. Yeah. Wapsie does this thing after the, you know, announce the
1: starting lineup for football and stuff like that. Uh, they run to a certain yard line, and they the players, and and they kneel down and pray. And I had a kid in the stands behind me one time say, "I'm I'm surprised they haven't shut that down yet." And I was like, "Well, why why could? What do you mean they? And what what do you mean by that?" And he says, "Well, I'm just surprised they allow that." And I was like, "Dude, you don't have a good understanding of your rights as you know a human being. You don't check your Christianity at the door of public school." Like teachers, you being a teacher, you understand you can't force theology and religious beliefs on kids, but student-led worship, as long as it's not during instruction time, and th- like you have all the right to go and pray and do things, as long as it's not like teacher-led, teacher-forced, anything like that. And I was like, and so as my kid gets older, I can't wait to hear, because I'm going to ask him, who's leading that prayer and what are you guys praying for? Um, cause you know, I've been interested in building into the lives of kids for years, whether it was new sports or, or a wanna club and stuff like that. And, and I've got all kinds of great little sports type lessons, you know, with Ed Thomas and oh, yeah. and Burlesworth, things like that, just character driven things. So I'm really interested to see what that's all about. And if I had heard of fields of faith a little sooner, I maybe could have got a group of wopsy kids to go, but so that's. Bubba, That's,
0: it sounds like you need a FCA—they call them a huddle. It sounds like you need a huddle at Wapsie Valley.
1: I have thought—it has been on my mind the last couple of years, and I've shared it with the elders at church and things like that. I'm the Awana commander, and I have been for years, and I kind of feel led to work with some older kids— so I've kind of, I, I kind of put it out there and, and there's really no one else to take over the Iwana club. And I just know, like you said, your plate, when it's full, it's full Yeah, and yeah. You, you can only run it red line for so long. And it's <laughs> right. like, to me, work with junior high, high school, I, I would need to let go of the, the K through six kind of thing. And I think I can. And so I'm just kind of waiting to see if God does something there. But, you know, I've, I've thought about that an awful lot, but
0: like, you know, early one day a week, um, and we'll just kind of go over like, hey, what are you going to go over next week? Here's some questions you could ask. And then when the kids meet with all the rest of the group, they're, the students are the ones leading. Okay, sure. I can answer the question. But like you said, you got to be careful as uh, for me as a school employee that I'm not like using that platform as an employee to like preach the gospel okay right but it makes sense if you think about it with a different religion like if uh there's a muslim teacher yep. you'd be like yeah you of course be muslim but don't to do go in the middle of class right and, and preach the benefits of you know islam or like why the you're Quran the, the or, one true yeah, religion yeah. Or whatever yeah. um where that um you wouldn't want that to happen with a religion that maybe you're like, I don't believe that religion. Right. So, yeah, it makes um, sense. Yeah. Makes
1: sense. But student led is, is yeah. where it's at. And that's, exactly. that's what makes it right. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've always kind of admired Fellowship of Christian Athletes. The one guy I listen to on the radio on the drive to work is, uh, is Focus on the Family, Jim Daly. He was in the foster care system growing. He's the president of Focus on the Family. Okay. And he was a big athlete in high school, and, and he went through foster care, and so I know his testimony. And that was how he got saved was a high school football coach got him involved or pointed him to Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and now he's the president of Focus, Focus on, the Family, on the Family, which does... I mean, it's other than Samaritans Ministries or Samaritans Purse, it does probably the most of anything as far as you know evangelism and family-driven ministry in the country and in the world. It's it's impressive. So then we have another common thing here. Uh, you're actually involved in supporting something called Operation Underground Railroad. My only involvement is I've seen the movie they made about its founder Tim Ballard. So tell me a little bit about operation underground railroad
0: uh you know okay opera if you've seen the movie sound of freedom i have not seen it but it's essentially like the story of this guy who tim ballard who left um the military in order to uh like go about saving kids from human trafficking yep yep and um i am not really sure how and when i came upon this honestly it was probably like on instagram or you know, Facebook or some social media thing, where, um, where you're like, hey, "What is it? What you know? What are all these stories?" And, um, having being a kid that was taken advantage of like that, man, that just really resonated. Like, there's there are more slaves, more humans in slavery now than there ever have ever been. in the world, yeah. Um, and that is, that fact that it's it's mostly children who are the most defenseless, I feel like that should make us all like just be so ashamed that we can allow that to happen in the world. And so I, (laughs) I mean, I had dreams of like, I want to join the team. I mean, put me on the tactical squad. I want to like bust down the doors. I want to like, like arrest the traffickers, but, uh, it's just not in the cards. I don't think, you know, like, uh, I might fit the, I might fit the, you know, middle-aged, like chubby guy, but I don't have the training, um, required, nor do I think my wife, uh, would go that way. But one thing I knew I could do is save up and support. And it's really, I mean, it's a thing that like goes to like, when we're asked to care for widows and orphans, like, I mean, who more orphaned do you have than children who have been like kidnapped? Yeah. You know, like and like sex slavery. And and stuff. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Like the the worst thing about this is that it's like the demand is there and that's why it exists. Right. It's not like, it's not like these human traffickers are putting out a product that nobody buys Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and the, the U S is one of the largest consumers of, yep. uh, of pornography of, um, like the highest demand for sex workers. Yep. Like that's really, really awful. And I think they're, they're trying to equip law enforcement to, um, you know, they have like, they have like dogs that are trained to sniff out, um, electronic devices a lot of times apparently like um people who are producing child sex abuse material will hide it on flash drives or anything so it's not on a computer anywhere okay and they can i mean they can hide just think of how small a flash drive is you can hide it anywhere in your house and so they train they train canine units that can sniff them out and they'll uh, help set up like um like a crime unit in the, in, you know, wherever kind of like a hotspot of whatever police department. Cause a lot of times the police might not have, um, the resources sure. even yeah. to go after human traffickers. Yeah. Like they were like, well, we know it's a problem, but it's lower on the lower on the radar, you know, like, yeah. um, yeah. So that's just been really cool to see, like having followed his story kind of through social media and everything to hear that this coming out to a movie. Yeah. I, I, I just, my prayer is that like, that really turns into... A more sustainable, like look like, I mean, like people don't like talking about it, you know what I mean, people don't like to pretend it's not there, yeah, it's the same kind of as my story, like you know, people don't like hearing that, like like kids get kids are abused, Yeah, that yep. that happens to children, yeah that, but it happens, and it happens like right in your backyard, right, right,
1: yeah, I was unaware of I mean, obviously, I knew that kind of stuff happened, but as far as Tim ballard and and leaving his cushy you know. Department yeah. of Homeland Security job with benefits and all that to 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 go further into this thing. But just so you know, there is a thing at the end of the movie where Jim Caviezel, the guy that plays Tim Ballard, he gets on, and this is not about the movie. He, he says he wants this to start the conversation, start a movement where people are like, you can no longer turn away from this. This is real, and he gave that one line. There's more people in slavery today than there ever has been at any point in the world, anywhere in the world, like all together. And he goes, it's child sex trafficking. That's what it is. And I like to dig into the root causes of things. You know, we look at, you know, the lack of the father in the home leads to just skyrocketed rates of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. but like you said, the number one cause of this stuff is the fact that there is a drive for it. And that drive usually stems from pornography. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you grew up like me. I mean, I saw magazines. I saw movies when I was a kid. I didn't grow up in a church home, things like that. I mean, I had seen and knew everything long before, you know, before I even hit puberty. Right. Uh, And when you sexualize kids at a young age, I mean, you're just not ready for that. You're not meant for that. And then that kind of that kind of stuff is just not healthy it's not what god intended and and we wonder where these kinds of desires come from it it starts right there yeah so we got to we got to be aware of that and that's cool that you support that um i mean i didn't even know anything about it and 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 i like how he when the rubber met the road where he said i want to go deeper i don't want to just keep putting away these pedophiles you know like you right. said they kick in the door they bust them he felt convicted because he was seeing the images on these guys, computers right. on there. And he's and like, nobody's doing anything to yeah, rescue the kids. I want to get these kids. I want to go deeper. And the, the United States government only let him go so far. Right. And that's when he said, well, then I'm, I'm going to have to go on my own. And I, I just love that when, when bad dudes go after bad people for a good cause. And, and, right. and he did, and he turned it into a whole foundation and, and mission of life. So, all right, Dan, we don't, Necessarily have a time limit, but I understand in the podcasting world, an hour's kind of the sweet spot. Don't go too much over that. So, if you want, we'll cut this into two episodes, and and I'd like to, you know, sound like I'm professional and tell the audience what all the pros do is uh, we'll just have to have you back. Really, you're not coming back. We're just going to make a separate episode. <laughs> Welcome <But> this, back. <laughs> this is the end of part one, man. I hope you guys enjoyed Dan's testimony. Uh, I hope it encouraged you in some way. If you need help, whether you're struggling in a situation or or you went through something and you're struggling with the after effects of it, reach out. Reach out to a counselor. Reach out to a pastor. Reach out to me. Send me an email. What is up podcast at gmail.com. I'll help get you in touch with somebody that can get you some real help. But like I said earlier, this world it's it's a messed up place. Bad things are gonna happen. But you can know for sure about where you're going to be for eternity, and that's with God, and that's through Jesus. He did it all. You don't earn it. Ephesians 2 tells us that. Uh, You're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourself, so no one should be bragging about being able to earn their way to heaven. So if you're sitting in a church somewhere and somebody tells you just you being good enough gets you there, get out of that church. That's not right. Get into the Bible. That's where the answers are. You look to God. He'll show you what is up. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it encouraged you. Be sure and tune in for the next one, part two with Dan Cooper. Until then, Lord willing, I'll see you on the next one.